Hold that Bible up in the air and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. See, I've got an open mind and a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Say, I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him one more praise tonight. He's worthy. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. We're glad you're here. Look at what a great crowd on Saturday night. Amen. Hey, if you were with us last night, you already know we had the first uh, prayer meeting, the, the corporate citywide prayer meeting as we're in the first 40 days, you know, January 2nd through the uh, February 10th, we're in prayer and fasting and believing God as, as a community of believers all across the Tri-Cities. Churches are participating, believing God to pour out His Spirit and to draw the lost in and, and to change us from the inside out. Amen? Last night, I don't know, there's over 400 people uh, that gathered together in one house. It was incredible. It was a wonderful time. And uh, if you have time this coming Friday, check in your bulletin, I think it is, or on the calendar. We've got information there next week. It's at... Uh, Foursquare in Richland. Come out and participate. If, you don't, if you're thinking to yourself, I can't fast 40 days. I know people that can't fast 40 minutes. That's all right. Find something. Find something that you can give God for the first 40 days. And, and as we go through this, just participate with what God's doing. Hey, try this. If, if, you, if you have a condition that won't allow you to go without food, how about without TV? Thank you for that incredible response. Uh, <laughs> Some of you are thinking, I'll go 40 days without talking to my neighbor. There, I'll fast my neighbor. <laughs> let's, find, let's find something good and, and, and connect to God. We're believing God for great things, amen? We're believing God to change this city. Come on. We're believing God for revival to begin in our hearts. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, you need it. Amen. I want you to open your Bible. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Now, I want to continue talking to you about time. Time, not, not, the, not the whole 24 hours of your day, but in your day that there is a segment of time, a specific moment that has been impregnated with purpose and how to recognize those, how to take advantage of those, even how to produce those in our life. We need to be people that aren't wondering what's happening. We need to be people who are making the right thing happen. Amen. Amen. A lot of us spend a lot of time making stuff happen, and we, but we've got enough stuff. Come on, somebody. You, you got enough stuff going on in your life. You need to learn how to stop making stuff happen and learn how to connect to the right thing and to get that to produce in your world. Amen? God's called us to live a successful, victorious Christian life. We have the, the, the joy of living in, uh, you know, in the presence of the Most High. We have the incredible joy of being a Christian. I, I actually thought right there I'd get a better response. We, we have the joy... Of being a Christian. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, it, uh, it was Gandhi who said, uh, I like your Christ, your Christians I do not like. For your Christians are so much not like Christ. Don't you think we ought to change that? Uh, I mean, there's a joy of knowing God. And if you don't have greater joy today than you had yesterday, well, then you're just out of shape. You're not fit for the kingdom. You just need to get back into God's gym and work out those spiritual muscles a little bit. We need to be going from joy to joy. We need to have a greater level of joy tomorrow than we possess today. 
Amen. There's a joy in being a Christian. I know the enemy's trying to distract you with all kinds of problems and situations and stressors in your world, but you just need to take a break and breathe in a little bit and just begin to tell yourself, I'm happy to be born again. Amen. To be rescued from the jaws of hell. I'm happy I'm not going to hell. Amen. I might not be getting everything else I want at the moment that I want it, but I thank God that I'm on my way to heaven. That I have been redeemed by the blood. Amen? Amen. I tell you what, we, we need to have joy and demonstrate that joy. Look at this with me. Ephesians 5, uh, 1, be an imitator of God. Copy him, follow his example. As well-beloved children, imitate their father. Be an imitator of God. How would God handle your situation? How would God handle your future? Just start thinking like God. Remember that when you imitate somebody long enough, pretty soon you're not imitating. That's now become part of your character, right? And verse 2 says, walk in love. Man, get outside of yourself and realize that one of the things that God needs to see in us is our ability to do what's best for others, even at our own expense, knowing that God's going to come through and make up the difference in our life. Amen. So we're going to imitate God by the walk that we walk, which is a love walk. Everybody say a love walk. Love. Amen. There's a more excellent way. There, the way of love. We need to be lovers of people and, and, and committed to God. Amen. Well, now go with me. Go to verse 17. Or 15, sorry. Go to verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. See, if you're not careful, you're gonna, you, you won't be walking the walk that God's called you to walk. That's the enemy's total uh, you know, plan is to get you off the trail that God's called and created you to walk in. Look carefully how you walk. Live with purpose and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Don't, don't be uh, you know, ignorant of the walk that you're on. Pay attention. You know, last week we talked about this in depth, uh, and, and I don't want to spend too much time here tonight, but I do want to tell you that God is looking at us saying, come on, guys, don't be stupid. Don't miss these incredible opportunities that, are, that, that have been deposited into every day of your life where you have the opportunity to see God come through in supernatural intervention, where you see the, the presence of God uh, poured through your life into the lives of others. Let's be careful how we take this walk. Amen? Let's be careful and let's be wise and, and uh, s sensible, intelligent people. Look at the very next verse, verse 16. It says, making the most of your time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Make the most, make the most of time. Redeeming the time, what King James says. Re redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeem the time. Take to redeem literally means to purchase it back. Buy it back. Get your hands back on the time that God has, has uh, deposited in your, into your situation. Yeah, on that moment. Get that, get that moment back. You've, we, you know, in different areas of our life, we've kind of sold out to some things. And God, I believe, is asking us, why don't, you, why don't you increase your zeal for me, your passion for me? Let that be the currency that buys back your opportunity to have the future that I've created and called you for. I think God wants us to, to go forward and to really possess the future that he's called and created us for. Amen. There's a specific moment of time. It's an opportunity. It is the right time. Redeem the time. Get it back. Your zeal, your energy are the currency to buy back your moments that have been infused with purpose. 
God's plan for our lives, God's plan, his goals. God has goals for your life. You understand that? Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. King James says an expected end. God, God has a plan for me to experience an expected end. An expected end, what is that? That is the production of a goal that has been agreed upon between me and God. God wants me to make it to, to a final outcome that is much better than my current condition. Hello? God's trying to get me to, to a final outcome that, that is much, much better than my current condition. He, he, he wants you to understand he has goals for your life. He has plans for your life. Now, if God has developed plans for your life and you're an imitator of God, what should you have for your life? Plans. You know, I, I even look at it this way, that if God has a plan for me, I ought to have a plan for God. I, I, need, to, I need to sit down and plan God's involvement in my life. Hello? Some of us, you know, we, the life that we're living doesn't really take much God. Don't shout me down now. It don't take much God. Matter of fact, it's hard to find him in there. Maybe we need to change the way we plan so that God can participate in our world. You know, every time you do what he said, he will produce what he promised. When you do what he said, he will produce what he promised every single time. So if you plan to obey God, you can actually get it in the book and look at the result that that obedience is going to produce in your situation. Get a plan that allows God to operate in your life. God has a plan for your life. He wants to increase you, to your wisdom, your insight, your effectiveness. I know that when we, when we hear that God wants to prosper us, immediately our minds go to, to financial situations. God wants to increase you way beyond your finances. See, if all you do is increase your finances, but you don't increase your character, then you won't have the character to handle the increased finances. Without the character to in, to, for the increased finances, all the increased finances are going to do is increase the problem that your current finances produced. Hello, somebody. I believe that 2008 is going to be an incredible year of increase. But I don't want you to focus on just trying to increase financially. That's going to come with it. Focus on, on increasing your wisdom, your insight, your revelation, your discernment. Focus on increasing the character that you live and walk out every single day of your life in. Just decide tonight, you know what, this year, I'm going to increase the strength of, of my character. I'm going to increase the prosperity of my soul. Man, I, 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 don't, I don't like living in a situation where my spirit is placing orders that my soul can't afford to pay for. Hello, somebody. My spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, uh, my spirit places $1,000 orders, but I, my, my soul's prosperity level of my soul is only about $100, right? Uh, well, then I need to increase the prosperity of my soul. My soul, that's the way I think, the way I feel, the way I make my choices. I, I need to get into the Word of God and allow that Word to begin to change me from the inside out so that I'll quit making the choices that have taken me to the wrong places at the wrong time with the wrong thing in my hand, trying to get the right thing done with all the wrong stuff attached to it. We need, we need an increase of wisdom. Look at your neighbor and say, get smart. God's plan. To give you a hope. To give you a hope. Hey, can I tell you tonight, don't be afraid to get your hopes up. 
I said, don't be afraid to get your hopes up. You know, uh, I, I, I hear a lot of people say, well, you, you know, now we want to be very careful that we don't get people's hopes up. And I'm like, why? Uh, you know, honestly, anybody that has ever said, let's not get our hopes up, what they're really saying is, I'm not ready to commit to the effort and energy that will be required if we hang into this thing all the way to the end. See, if you hang on with God all the way to the end, it's all right to have hope. God wants you to have hope. Matter of fact, if you go look at that word in, in, in uh, Strong's Concordance, you, you study those words, you know, the hope in the future is the expected end. Hope, one, one of the definitions for the word hope is rope. I look at it this way, that hope is like the rope. See, when a cowboy gets on a bull and he ties himself on with that rope, that rope represents the hope that he has he's going to make it eight seconds. Hello. Come on now. So if you're afraid to get your hopes up, your chances aren't real good. If you're afraid to hang on to hope, I think you're a dope. And you better be liking the way dirt tastes because you're going to have some. Right? You got a cowboy up, tie onto the bull, and tell somebody, open the gate. You, you know, a lot of times we, we get on the back of that thing, we, we talk big. You know, isn't it funny? We, we, we buy the big hat, we got the western shirt, we got the giant buckle, we got the boots, we got the truck, we even got the hitch on the truck. We just go from rodeo to rodeo. Sometimes we need to get down out of the stands and get down there in the chute. And you need to mount that bull and actually tie yourself to it. Get committed to achieving the hope that's inside of your heart. You know, some of the things, some of the dreams that you have, some of the plans, some of the goals that you're going to set, they're going to scare you bad. i got to tell you something. There's some things that I am, am planning for this coming year that I'm not sharing with just everybody because it scares me just to say it. But i, I got some big plans, but i got a big God. Amen. And it's going to take a little bit of courage to mount that sucker, tie onto him, and actually ask somebody to open the gate. I mean, it's one thing to get down in there and get on, get tied on, then untie yourself, get back off. And you know, have you ever watched it on TV? You know, where they're where they're doing the bull riding, and they they, they got one guy pulling the bull's head over, another guy slapping him, and another guy's hitting, patting you on the back, and three or four guys are tying you on, and you're sitting there thinking, God, I'm glad that's not me. <laughs> I mean, how crazy do you have to be to tie yourself to 2,500 pounds of guacamole dip maker? I mean, you, you know, gee whiz. Sometimes going for the goal that God has for your life is going to demand courage. You know, it takes some guts to live a Christian life. Living for God was not designed for sissies. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, toughen up, buttercup. God's trying to get you to a final outcome that is way better than your current condition. But it might require you to ride the bull instead of spreading the bull. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Remember, be a, be a God imitator, motivated by love. See, here's the deal is that when you're strapping yourself to the bull and you suddenly realize that this isn't really what's best for you. 
Now, it might be best for everybody in the arena, but it's not really what's best for you. I think that's where we kind of shift quite often because we don't, we don't actually pursue with great passion the things that are not best for us. We're in a society that, that actually uh, compliments people when they, when they climb on top of each other and, and dog eat dog, you know, we eat every man for himself. But God's way is not like the world's way. You, you know, this, uh, to be a Christ follower, this isn't about living to, to find out what's best for you. This is, this is living for other people. If you're going to be a God imitator, you're going to end up doing what's best for others, even at your own expense. Even if it might hurt you. Even if there's a chance you might not make it. But I submit this thought to you also, that if there is no viable chance for failure, then victory would mean nothing anyway. Realize God wants us to do what's best for others, even at our own expense. You know, I, I'm really looking forward to, to this year. Some of the things that we have planned, uh, you know, uh, you may have heard me talk about the, the, uh, the, the prayer, the God that answers prayer day. We're going to have a God that answers prayer day. We're working and we're going to connect with a local gas station here in town. And, and for a certain period of time, gasoline at that station is going to be 99 cents a gallon. Sounds like a good deal, don't it? Some of you guys are going, praise God. The bad news is you can't have any of it. <laughs> what we're going to do is, as a church, we're going to make up the difference. But we're going to be out there with shirts on that say, uh, no strings attached, just like God's love. When, when the people line up to buy gas, and trust me, they will line up to buy the gas. When they line up to buy the gas, we'll, we'll just simply explain to them that we're here today demonstrating that God answers prayer. We talked to a lot of people in town, and, all, and by majority, most of them said that if God answered prayer, gas would be cheaper. Well, looky here. <laughs> well, God answers prayer. So today, you're going to get filled up for 99 cents a gallon, no strings attached. We're going to give them a prayer card and tell them, hey, if you want to, if there's anything else in your world that we can pray for, just write it down. We don't need your name. We don't need your phone number. We don't need your email address. All we need you to do is write down what it is you'd like us to pray for you about. And when you get to the pump, hand it to one of the other guys in a shirt like ours, and our congregation will be more than happy to pray for you because God answers prayer. Now, it's going to cost us about $10,000 just for a couple of hours to demonstrate that God answers prayer. We are going to give of ourselves for the betterment of our community, even at our own expense. How many of you think that's an awesome idea? I'm glad you think so, because I'm coming to you to get the $10,000. <laughs> Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I love Pastor Jim. Amen. God has a plan. God has goals for your life. I mean, can, can, you, can, can you wrap your brain around this? God has goals for your life. Many of us have not taken any time to understand the goals that God has for our life. And we live frustrated because it seems like nothing ever really works out the way we thought it should. Well, you know what we want to do is we want to show you that God's goals are not hidden from you. That, that they're, really, they're really right there, right up front, easy to locate, easy to find. It's, it's not difficult to find the will of God for your life. 
And when you do, all of a sudden you're empowered to begin to set goals in alignment with His goals and connect to the power of the anointing of God on your life. If God has goals and we're imitators of God, then we should also have goals. Look at your neighbor and say, you need a goal. My goal needs to line up with God's goal. My will needs to be in alignment with God's will. Well, God's will for my life is hope. God wants you to develop hope. This is one of God's goals, that you would just get some hope, that you would look into the future with excitement and anticipation, believing that great things are just down the road. So many of us are so afraid of what's coming. Man, you ought to be afraid that you might miss what's coming if you don't hurry up. We don't have time for off-ramps and exits. We need, to, we need to get on the highway of life and head on down there. Come on, somebody. Yeah, well, but you don't understand the things I've been through. Key word there, been through. Let that go. Yeah, but I've been hurt. Would you please forgive? You don't understand. You, you're the one that's missing it. God wants you looking forward, not backward. We've all made mistakes. We've all made decisions that have positioned us in the wrong place. We've all done things that have not been the greatest of ideas. But the mercy of God, the love of God, if you, when you look back, you see God nudging you back onto the track, getting you back in alignment with His purpose and His plan for your life. Don't look back. Look ahead. Go ahead and have hope. Have great hope for a future. I mean, to decide tonight, I'm going to go out of here and believe for great things. I'm going to make my dream huge. Man, be a big dreamer. I said, be a big dreamer. Well, what if I'm wrong? Won't matter. God will correct you. He, he'll, he'll, he'll nudge you back on track to the right way. He'll get you connected to the right thing. But, you know, it's like going out into the parking lot tonight. You can get in the car. And you can sit there and you can, you can eat, actually take your keys and insert them into the ignition and turn that baby on. You can rev the motor. You can turn the steering wheel. You can honk the horn. You can hit the brakes. You can turn on the blinkers. You, you can do all that stuff, but none of it matters until you put it in gear. Many of us in the Spirit... You know, we're so excited about the power that we have in God. But we've never put it in gear. We've always just sat in the church parking lot and revved our motor, flashed our lights, went looking for a new bumper sticker. Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better if instead of trying to push that thing down the road, you got it started up, you got your buckle belted, and you put it in drive? Unless, of course, you needed to back up first. Okay. Have a hope. God's will is for you to have a strong family life. So plan on your family getting stronger in this coming year. My family's going to be blessed. I got God's word on it. God said, my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. God is all for my family. I realize the enemy, he wants my future, he wants my family, and he wants my faith. So God has goals for my future, hope. God has goals for my family, strength. Come on, we can end the war inside the boundaries of, of, of your plantation. We, we can bring peace to your house. I said we could bring peace to your house. 
Some of you guys, you desperately need peace. Come on. I mean, you need peace. And, and not only just for you, but so that your neighbor who knows you know God can see God show up at your house. God's plan, His goal for us is to see us demonstrate a strong faith, a strong belief that we live according to His Word. We ought to have goals to walk in a greater faith than we've ever known. Remember, faith is not always just believing regardless of the circumstances. It's obeying regardless of the consequences. We need to have a, a, a hunger and an appetite inside of us that says, you know what, I'm going to grow in my faith this year. There's areas, last year I, I didn't succeed in my faith. Well, this year I'm going to demonstrate the enemy's defeat in that area of my life. I'm going to do what I couldn't do because now I've got what I didn't have. I've got a, I've got a hope and, a, and an understanding knowing that God is calling me to a higher level. And I, if God wants me to have more joy than I had last year, then I'm probably going to have more success than I had last year. So I can plan on greater success in my life this year. I can plan on a greater intimacy with God. I can plan on having a, a deeper relationship with God. My prayer life's going to change. Come on, somebody. Look at, look at the guy sitting next to you and say, tell him, my prayer life's going to change. You know, prayer... Prayer is not the force that's so powerful that you are positioned to control God. Prayer is the force so powerful that it positions you to be controlled by God. You know, there's areas of your life where you're not having great success, but I can guarantee you that the areas where you're having repeated failure are the areas where you're not really talking to God. Don't get all quiet on me now. If you're having repeated failure in a certain area of your life, you're not really praying. You know, there have been moments in, life, in my life, and I'll just share this with you, just uh, maybe it'll help you. Uh, but there have been moments in my life, I thought I was praying, but I wasn't praying. I, I was whining. I was complaining to God and asking God to change all kinds of stuff when God's will wasn't to change stuff. God's will was to change me. You know... This prayer life, this, this, this communication with God doesn't position us where we're suddenly telling God what to do. No, this prayer life finally positions us to where we're able to do what God's told us to do and to enjoy the success that obedience is going to produce in our life. Hello? So, you know, just plan on greater success. Plan on greater levels of obedience. Plan on developing some godly goals. Everybody say godly goals. I, I just want to share with you uh, so just, some, just some facts about godly goals real quick. Godly goals, number one, godly goals draw us towards our future. You know, you got a goal out in front of you, and it just pulls you through some stuff that if you didn't have a goal, you probably wouldn't go through that stuff. Life on earth isn't all cake. Can you say amen? amen. You know, losses and defeats are real. But godly goals kind of swallow the pain of that because you know you're headed somewhere better. Get ready to set some godly goals in your life so that it'll pull you into the future. So it'll draw you out there. So you've got a direction that you are headed. Amen? So you, there's something that you can rivet your attention to and, and keep going even on the day you feel like giving up. Godly goals, number two, will position us to make God things happen. You know, as imitators of God... We must be changing the environment that we live in. How many of you know that when we say God is a good God, 
You know, isn't God good? Yeah, all the time. All the time, God is good. The meaning of the word good is something that gives of itself for the betterment of its environment. If you're going to be an imitator of God, you're going to be bettering the environment that you live in. And so if you have a godly goal, it's going to cause you to make some God things happen in situations that desperately need God. How many of you know that there's relationships that God has brought your way that are desperately, these people desperately need God. They, they don't need you. They need God in you. Hello. They, they don't need your trauma. They don't need you know, your chaos. They don't need your confusion. They need God in you to show up. Because they are so separated from God. The only link to God they have is you. Make it a godly goal to position yourself to make lives better. To make the workplace better. To make the house better. To make the neighborhood better. Come on, somebody. Godly goals, number three, don't need to be big to be effective. They just need to be godly. Sometimes I think when, we're, when we start talking about godly goals, we think of massive, huge things. But, no, you know, the goals don't have to be huge. They just have to be godly. Big doesn't always mean effective. You know, and you want to have a stronger family life this year than you had last year. Guys, why, why don't you plan on two date nights a month with your wife and make it a priority that, you know, there's a specific night of the week every other week, and you're going to take your wife to dinner, even if you're not talking. You know, why not, why not, you know, date nights aren't huge, but they will make a big difference. Hello? Come on now, you gotta, if you're going to have a stronger family, trust me, it ain't going to happen just because God says so. It's going to happen because you agreed. Well, if God wants my family stronger, he'll make it stronger. No, he won't. You will. And it'll be the choices that you make and the decisions that you, that you, that you uh, confirm with your action. Godly goals are statements of our faith and trust in God. You've got to ask yourself, how great is your God? You know, if you're developing a godly goal, trust me, it's probably going to require faith. Godly goals give us hope, focus our energy, and they stretch our faith and they build our character. We need to have some godly goals in our life. Amen? Here we are at the beginning of a brand new year. Let's, let's develop some goals to make a difference with the time that God's given to us. Amen? Let's, 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 make a, let's make it a goal to buy back time that we had given up on. Let, let's, let, let's get our hands back on what God has blessed us with and use it for His glory. Amen? Sometimes we neglect to set goals. I think we, we fear failure. Or our desire of seeing unattainable. Listen to me. No goal you set is too big for God. I said no goal you set is too big for God. And no goal that God set for you is too big for you. I think if God was to uncover tonight His plan for your life, it would just freak you out a little bit. God, I can't do that. And He'd look at you and say, I know. But together we can Amen? Together we can. Look at this. Hebrews 12, 2. We'll put this one up for you. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking away from all that will distract us. How I many you know there's some stuff out there trying to distract you? 
but looking away from everything that would distract and look to Jesus, who's the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher. He brings it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, he endured the cross. Man, he endured the cross to get his hands on the goal. He went through some stuff, man. I don't know about you, but having to sacrifice your life, that's, that seems like a pretty high price to pay for the benefit of others. But the Word of God says, look at Jesus now and, and let your life demonstrate that same type of commitment. Get a goal. Not only necessarily that you would die for, but get one, get one that you'd live for. Create a goal that, that'll... Pull you into this future that God has for you. Let's break it down. Why should we set goals? Well, godly goals give us hope. Look at Job 6.11. Job 6.11 tells us, What is my strength that I should hope? And what is mine end that I should prolong my life? What's ahead of me that's going to keep me going? Man, you, you know, a godly goal is going to produce that hope. And if hope's missing, if you don't have a goal, if there's not a goal, life's going to crush you. A lot of times when you thought about quitting, it, obviously your goal wasn't strong enough to, to cause you to go through. If you, if you stopped in the middle, if you didn't make it to the end, then the goal just wasn't strong enough inside of you. Build a greater goal. Number two, godly goals focus our energy. 1 Corinthians 9, 26. I therefore run, not as uncertainty, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. You know, hey, I'm running to win. I'm running to win. Come on, somebody. Run to win. That goal will get your... your, your uh, Focus tight on something, and, and, and it'll give you something to run towards. And look at number three. Godly goals stretch our faith. Matthew 9, 29. Then touch either eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Do you realize that much of what's happening in your life today, the good, great things that God is producing in your life, it's all connected to your level of faith. According to your faith, be it unto you. Man, you're, you know, as, as we develop goals for this year, it's going to stretch our faith. It's going to cause us to believe for bigger, better. It's going to cause us to believe for more effectiveness. It's going to cause us to believe, God, for what we didn't have last year. At the end of this year, we're going to have it in our hand. Amen? Listen, Romans 14, 23 says that everything that does not come from faith is sin. If it ain't going to take some faith to get it done, the Bible says you're, you're missing the point. You're missing the mark. You're, you're falling short. You're, you're getting off the trail. Let, let, the, let the godly goal that, that you set for your life, let, let it demand faith because your goal is not going to intimidate your God. I said your goal is not going to intimidate your God. Number four, godly goals build our character. Proverbs eleven twenty seven. 27. He who diligently seeks good... Seeks God's favor. Oh. Do you want God's favor on your life? That, then, then seek God's favor by seeking good. Move away from evil. The word evil is simply it just means sick or diseased or, or less than best. Man, go for the best. It's going to help grow character in you. And you're going to find God's favor poured out upon your life. Just because you believe in it. You know, when your heart's right, you can do the wrong thing and still succeed. But when your heart's wrong, you can do the right thing and still fail. 
Seek the good things, man. Make sure that, hey, we're, remember, we're imitating God. We're walking in love. We're not doing, you know, we're not believing God for big things for me. I'm believing God for big things for you, for the city, for my family, and for my neighbors. And trusting that God's going to do all the stuff that I need Him to do in my life. He's going to cover me, amen? Look at your neighbor and say, God's got you covered. What makes a goal godly? I just want to give you a couple of things here. Number one, a goal is godly when it's based on God's purpose for you. When his purpose for you, when your goal is connected to God's goal, when your plan is in alignment with God's plan. Psalms 119.32, this one is not going to be on the screen. He said, I, I will run the way of your commandments. I will run the way of your commandments. I'll run the race you called me to run. You know, I, I, I get to minister to a lot of people who are worn out, pretty much frazzled. You know, life has a tendency to just knock the snot out of you from, day, from time to time. Hello? Uh, working with people who, who are doing their very best, trying their hardest. They've invested all that they have. But quite often, the, the sad reality is that they, they've just fought the wrong fight. They've been in the wrong race. They, they, they've been you know, connected to the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. And, uh, and they're really not that far off course. It's just what, the, what they did was good. It just wasn't right. I want to encourage you this year to, to take time to get along with God and find out His purpose for your life. This is discipleship. This is where you are, are, are listening and being trained by God and realizing that maybe some of your ideas, maybe some of your mentalities, maybe some of your thought processes would be better if you let God tweak them just a little bit. Maybe, maybe, this might be hard for you to wrap your brain around, but maybe you don't know everything. Maybe. Maybe we're just making a tape for people who aren't here. You know, the fact is, is you're not called to do everything. You're just called to do something. And when you connect and you really understand the pathway that God's carved for you, and you, you are now connected to that which God has called you to do. Oh, the fulfillment and, and the incredible joy and the empowerment that comes from knowing I don't have to worry about all this other stuff. See, if the enemy cannot prevent you, he will promote you. If he can't get you to live all for yourself, if you decide I'm, I'm going to be generous and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to get outside of myself, then he'll try to kill you, destroy you by showing you all kinds of needs all around you and all around the world, stuff that you're not equipped to minister to. But if you have spent time with God, you can't be deceived that way. Because, you, you know, when you know who you are in Christ, suddenly you know who you're not. There is a great strength that comes from knowing who I am. Now I don't have to try to be who I'm not. I, matter of fact, I think, I think it's better to know the who I'm not than it is to know who I am. Because, uh, you know, if, if we're not careful, remember, be careful how you walk. If we're not careful, we're trying to please all kinds of people. We're trying to do all kinds of things. You know, people come up all the time and, hey, when, when are we going to get the school buses for the bus ministry? Well, that would be when you go to a different church. <laughs> uh, you know, when are we, just, just being honest, you know, 
It's not, that's not my vision. You know, when, when, you know, and some of these pastors can, can relate to this. You know, when are you going to preach like Rod Parsley or when, when are you going to dress like Casey Treat or when are you going to, never. Thank God I know who I am. Amen. Amen. You, you know, God's coming back for a church without spot, without wrinkle. Without spot. You know, in the washing machine, that's where you put your clothes to wash them, right? That's where we put ours. In the middle of their, in the middle of that machine, there have been different times we've had to work on that, and Shelby would bring me in there and have me, you know, try to fix something. <laughs> That's kind of funny, but a uh, uh, whole another story. But in the middle of their, the, in the middle of the washing machine, inside the tub, there, there's a thing. It's called the agitator. That's my role in life. <laughs> the agitator. Amen. <laughs> Ephesians four one. It says, walk a life worthy. Walk a life worthy of the divine calling to which you've been called. How are you going to do that if you don't know the call on your life? You need to start with discipleship. You need to spend time in the presence of Jesus and let him teach you who you are. Again, when you know who you are, you'll know who you're not. You can just get comfortable in your skin now. You can just relax. See, so this house, this house shall be a, a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling. There's security here at the garden for you. You don't have to be, you know, somebody else. You can just be you. Now, now, if you've got sin going on in your life and you, you're just constantly in error, we're going to be talking to you. We're going to be encouraging you to live right. But the fact is, you can just be secure to be you. You don't have to impress anybody. You couldn't. Well, you can't, you know, the problem is that when you, when you try to get outside of yourself, you might do that for a minute, but you can't maintain that very long. You know, I, I can try to be somebody else, but I can't do that very long. Pretty soon, I show up. But you know, that when, when you try to be somebody else, you're just second best. Because you never be as good at that as they are. But nobody can be you. Amen? Nobody can be you. That's, that's, everybody say discipleship. Okay, what makes a goal godly? Uh, it brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, make sure you're doing it for the glory of God. Let's be people who have the ability to see God exalted and not worry too much about the credit that we're going to get. Amen? We just want to see God exalted. Amen? That's worship. They would start off with discipleship which aligns us with His plan and then we begin to live a lifestyle of worship. Worship is not slow songs. Worship is a lifestyle where our eyes are riveted and connected on Him. And we're making sure that our actions, our motivations, our attitudes are focused on Him. You realize that worship will change your motivation? Worship will change your attitude? I said worship will change your attitude. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to worship. <laughs> what makes a goal godly? Number three, they're motivated by love. We already read it in Ephesians 5, 2. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Walk in love. Walk in love. You know, hey, there's a more excellent way. Here, I mean, do, do the love thing. Walk in love. Look at your neighbor and say, be a lover. Follow the way of love. This is 
ministry. So we got discipleship, we got worship, then we come to ministry. Your goal should minister to others. Your, your goal, your goal should be to get you closer to God. Your goal should be to uh, get others' eyes on God. Your goal is to know Him, to grow in Him, and now to share Him. Man, now I've, I've moved to, to ministry. We're commanded to nurture love for God and for people. Without love, our goals become obsessions. Many of us have been so focused on the wrong things, we think we have good goals, but really it's just a lifestyle of self, selfishness. We're we just self-consumed. We're, we're so addicted to ourselves that we're no good for anybody else. Well, We need to live a lifestyle and develop goals that... Give us opportunity for ministry. Everybody say ministry. You know, when, when you're loving people, it also enables you to ask for their involvement. And you're allowing people to be involved in your mission because you love them. Without love, you're only using them. But because you love them, you can involve them. Now we can get connected to others. Number four, a godly goal is achieved only with God's power. Now we're on a mission. Galatians 3.3, 3, check this out. Um, are you so foolish and so senseless and silly, having begun your new life spiritually with the Holy Spirit, are you now preaching perfection by dependence on the flesh? Look at Proverbs 16.9. A man's mind plans his way, but it's the Lord who directs his steps and makes them sure. Zechariah 4.6. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord. A godly goal can't be achieved without God's power. The mission that you have in your life. See, I, I believe this will sum it up for us. That our, that our goals, one, is to know Him. Two, is to grow in Him. Three, is to share Him. Four, is to serve Him. And five, is to honor Him. His involvement in my life empowers me to do what I could never do without it. His involvement in my life positions me to reach places I could never have even extended my hand. But His involvement in my life, His involvement in my life promises victory because God is not going to lose. His involvement in my life promises future. Because God ain't going backwards. His involvement in my life. When my goals line up with his goals, I've got to tell you something. He's going to show up. Don't be afraid to dream big. Don't be afraid to plan big. Don't be afraid to let God redirect some of that. Give new direction, new motivation, new insight. Don't, don't, don't think for a moment that when you start your plan, that he's not going to get involved. God is a God of plans. We just read that man, he, he sits there and, and he, he works out his plan, but God is going to direct your steps. If God's willing to participate, don't you think you should get going? If God's willing and ready and he's giving you the green light to go into your future, don't you think you ought to take that next step? If God's looking at you and saying, hey, forget the past, I got you covered. Confess, I'll forgive. It's the Bible. The Bible says confess, and he is faithful and just to forgive. 
So there's nothing holding you back. Nothing holding you back from an incredible future in God. You have the right to make God things happen all around your situation, all around your world, all through your life. You, you, you have the right to experience supernatural participation. Why would we live a dull, boring, defeated, broken down life? I think our goal ought to be to at least find out from God if he'd meet us at the table as we prepare our goals. Amen? Will you do me a favor? Will you close your book? Close your eyes? Bow your heads. Worship team's coming back. We're going to worship tonight before we leave. But I want to ask you, if you're here tonight, how are you going to have a godly goal without God involved in your life? I know that some of you guys are here and you do not have a relevant relationship with the living God. Tonight, we want to encourage you to change that. We want to invite you to accept the love, the forgiveness that God offers you. It is by far the greatest decision any of us here have ever made to come to salvation knowledge, to receive that gift of life, and to allow God to get on the throne of our life. Again, I, I don't know what challenges you've faced and what things in your life have, you know, that you've had to overcome, but I do know this, that there's a loving God who has His arms outstretched to you calling you tonight. If you're here, maybe you've never had a relationship with God. If you're here tonight, say, you know what, I, I, I'm ready. I need that God. Would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor Tom, that's me. I need God in my life. I'm willing to accept the love, the forgiveness that He offers. Pastor, include me in this prayer. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to pray with you. We want to connect to you. Are you here tonight? I need God in my life. 